Before we begin our Torah study this morning, let's pray together. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam asher kedsheno b'mitzvotah v'sivanu la'asok b'divrei Torah. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. Just a word about the season that we're in. We're in the month of Elul. It just started a few days ago. It is the, the month that precedes the coming of the high holidays, Rosh Hashanah, the new year, and Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, as well as Sukkot and Simchat Torah. And traditionally, Elul is a month of preparation for the holidays when we stand before God and we give an account for ourselves. So it's a time of self-examination. It's a time of soul-searching and peace-seeking, seeking peace with God and with our fellow men and women. It's a time of honesty and humility before God as well and before one another. So how do we examine ourselves? One of the best ways is to examine ourselves in light of what the Scriptures teach and in light of our personal relationship with God. And I want to remind you of something, and that is the very first lesson of Torah is this, that there is a God, and that he created us and the entire universe, including the world that we are living in, and we're to draw close to him, and we are to resist all things that would keep us away from him, and we are accountable to him. And thus, the holidays are important because these are times of accountability. These are times when we examine ourselves with true humility and honesty, and it's better to be honest with the Lord than to lie to Him. It's better to confess our sins, as the Scripture teaches, because when we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So we use the Scriptures to learn about God and to learn from God. And they're given to us by the Lord to help us know Him and to draw close to Him. In the Scriptures, we learn that the Lord is not only our Creator, He is also our Redeemer. And this helps us understand as Messianic believers, believers and disciples of Messiah, that Messiah is not just some good man who will come and do extraordinary things, but the Lord Himself has chosen to come down and become one of us in order to become a kinsman redeemer for us. Now, if we want to have true north on our spiritual and moral compass, we need to draw close to the Lord and be devoted to the Scriptures. And that connects us to the Torah portion, which I also had an honor of reading from today on the anniversary of my 50, the 56th anniversary of my bar mitzvah, and so I'm very grateful that I could read. It's an important place in the scriptures that speaks about the kings of Israel, but the lessons can be applied to all of us. So Deuteronomy chapter 17, I want to read verses 18 through 20. When the king has come to occupy the throne of his kingdom, he is to hand write a copy of this Torah for himself in a scroll. 
from the one that the priests and the Levites use. So here's the instruction. He is to copy the Torah by hand onto a parchment scroll, and he's to use one of the trusted scrolls that the priests and the Levites have. The king is to make a copy of the scroll himself, the Sefer Torah. Now, I want to remind you of something and point out to you this. There's no mention of an oral Torah here. What is he to copy? He is to copy the Torah, the only Torah, which was the written Torah. There was no oral Torah. There are oral traditions, and there are histories of interpretation, sometimes which change and were understood differently at different times, but they did not have the weight that the Torah actually carries. And so the king was told to copy the Torah. Which Torah? The Torah that the Kohanim, the priests, and the Levites used. That was the reference edition. He was to take one of the trusted copies and copy that. And then it says in verse 19, it is to remain with him, and he's to read in it every day. So here's a pop quiz. How often is he to read in it? Okay, you got 100% so far. As long as he lives. Every day for a week? No, every day as long as he lives. So that. Repeat that phrase after me. So that. That was English, incidentally. That's not Hebrew. So that. So that he will learn to fear Adonai his God and keep all the words of this Torah and these laws and obey them. So that, this is verse 20, he will not think he's better than his kinsmen, and so that he will not turn aside either to the right or to the left from the mitzvah. In this way he will prolong his own reign and that of his children in Israel. Now this was written for the king, but I think we can take some lessons for ourselves. This process of copying by hand required a significant investment of time and effort. How many of you still know how to write things by hand? (laughs) That's good, because some people have forgotten how to do that. They know how to type, that's good. They know how to copy and paste, that's okay. But that is not what the king was doing. He was copying by hand. And he was to make a copy that was accurate. So it had to be based on a trusted version of the scriptures, and that's why there's a reference as to what he was to use. It took a significant investment of time and effort. So did the daily reading from the Torah. My wife has the habit of reading the scriptures every day and writing in a journal scriptures that speak to her, so she'll hand write the scriptures longhand in a journal, and I think she just finished her 79th journal. I think that's right. Sandy, if that's not right, close, I'm pretty close. 79 journals. The king was to do this every day. He was to read every day. And you know, if you want to 
do something like that, just making a New Year's resolution or a Rosh Hashanah resolution is not enough. How many people know that New Year's resolutions are very easy to make? And they are also easy to break. But there is a power in developing priorities and then living by those priorities and really establishing those priorities long enough that they become habits. Because once it's a habit, it's sort of automatic. Other things flow around it, and uh, there's a power in good habits. So it was to become routine and become a good habit for the king for his whole life. Now, three times the passage mentions so that. And whenever it says so that in the English, in, in the Hebrew, laman, uh, it speaks of purpose and causation. Do this for the purpose of this next thing. Do this in order to cause this next thing to happen. So the first so that is so that he would learn to have the fear of the Lord, and that means to have reverence for the Lord. The scripture says elsewhere that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And he's to learn to obey the Lord, keeping what is written in Torah. Not just to learn about what the scriptures say, but to learn in order to do. This was a consistent teaching of the, the people who followed Moses and the teaching of Yeshua to hear and to do, to read and to do, to learn and to do. It's not enough to learn, we must also do. And it's not enough to do without knowing what to do. And so we can do things out of ignorance, but do them habitually thinking they're good. What's the cure? Learn from the scriptures. Learn what God says is important for us to learn. Put that into practice and do it. Don't just learn about it, but do it. And then here's the next so that. So that the king will not think he's better than his kinsmen. The scriptures are teaching humility. And humility, I think, means to use our strengths in service to others. It doesn't mean to become uh, impotent or powerless. Humility means we take the power we do have and we use it for the benefit of others. And that's why Yeshua said that the one who wants to be the greatest needs to be the servant. The one who wants to be the greatest of all needs to be the servant of all. And he was teaching this principle of humility that when we use our strength to serve others, we use strength to lift them up. And it's, it's not making ourselves useless. So there are false forms of humility that are not like this. The king is still the king even when he's humble. He's still the king. But before God, all of Israel needed to know 
And before God, all of us need to know that we have equal standing regardless of our position in society, regardless of our social status, regardless of our economic status, regardless of our education. And let's look at now the final so that. So that the king will not turn aside to the right or to the left but he will go straight ahead. In Hebrew, straight is yeshar, straight. I think it's an interesting idea. The scriptures want us to be straight, to move straight. And so there's a temptation in this polarized world to go to the right or to the left. And the king needed to learn not to identify with those directions, but to identify with the straight and narrow path of the Lord. Because there are times when the right and the left just get you off the path. Now there's this idea that I want to convey to you that's about the value and the worth of the scriptures because they are useful to us. And they are meant to equip us in a way that personally benefits each one of us, but also enables us to benefit other people. And this is what Paul wrote Timothy about. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. This is in what would be traditionally known as the New Testament, or Habrita Chadashah, the New Covenant. But in this passage, Paul writes to Timothy, all Scripture is God-breathed. And when he's writing this, do you know what the Scriptures were? It was the Torah, the prophets, and the writings, the Tanakh, the Hebrew Scriptures. All the Torah, all the Tanakh is God-breathed and is useful for instruction, conviction, correction, training in righteousness, so that, here's the so that again, verse 17, so that the people of God may be complete, fully equipped for every good work. Think of it this way. What Paul is saying is the, the scriptures given to the Jewish people, the Tanakh, are useful in order to bring maturity and completion to the people of God and to fully equip us for every good work. So the completion and maturity is the benefit to us and every good work is the benefit to other people. So we can say that the, the scriptures equip us for the life of faith and they teach us how to have an ongoing relationship with God that includes such things as worship and prayer and scripture study and action and service and ministry to God and to people and fellowship with God's people and with the community of faith. All of these can be contained, are contained in the scriptures. Now the Torah portion for this week also has another passage that I want to underline for us. It's in Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 through 19. I think it's important for all Jewish people, 
and for all Messianic believers. It's especially important for everyone who considers Moses to be the great teacher of Israel. Because this is what Moses says. Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. So we're reading the words of Moses here. Adonai will raise up for you a prophet like me from among yourselves, from your own kinsmen. You are to pay attention to him. Just as when you were assembled at Horeb and requested Adonai your God and said, don't let me hear the voice of Adonai my God anymore. Let me see this great fire ever again. If I do, I'll die. On that occasion, Moses writes, Adonai said to me, they are correct in what they're saying. Verse 18, I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their kinsmen. Okay, now we've got two bearing witness to this. Moses says it, and then he quotes the Lord saying it. And the Lord says to Moses, I'm going to raise up a prophet like you from among their kinsmen. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell them everything I order him. Whoever doesn't listen to my words, which he will speak in my name, will have to account for himself to me. So, we can say for sure there is one coming. And the only question is, who is it? Who is it? And it's a question that needs to be asked, not just by Messianic Jews, but all Jews. And not just by Jews, but all people. If we want to know what is authoritative in God's eyes, we have to know what Moses has said, and what Moses says is yet to come. So we're all responsible to recognize this. Now with that in mind, let's go to the Haftor portion, which has a lot of significance to me. It's from Parshat Shoftim, and it was, the Haftorah was, and this reading was the portion for my bar mitzvah in 1967. And we're gonna put up a copy of my bar mitzvah certificate. There you go. Bonafide signed copy by the president of the synagogue, Morton Rosenberg, on the right side, and by the rabbi, Rabbi H. Hillel, David Werb. And it says that certificate of bar mitzvah presented by Beth Israel Congregation, not this Beth Israel, it wasn't a Messianic congregation. It was uh, part of the conservative Jewish movement in the seal if you look carefully, that's from the conservative Judaism. So presented by Beth Israel Congregation to David Levine. That's me. I don't have a middle name, by the way. So my Hebrew name, David Ben Beryl Halevi, that's it. But oddly, I mean, there's a little pause. Oddly, my brother, my big brother, the firstborn, he has a middle name, and it's David. So not only did I get his clothes as a hand-me-down, I got his middle name. And when we were in Israel applying for citizenship, this was one of the documents that I presented that was acceptable as a verification of who I was as a Jew because it, it was an original. I took the original certificate, which I have framed and I keep and I have, and this is a picture of it. 
And here's another odd thing. When we were in Israel, the, the person interviewing us wanted to know, a, you know some background, and I told them that my grandparents had lived in Israel. And so the interviewer said, well, were they citizens? And I said, I, I don't know, maybe. And this, this was a time when they had old computers, which meant the earliest versions of DOS. How many of you know what DOS is? Mm -hmm. And those of you who don't know, you're dated. But they had old computers, and I said, I can tell you exactly where they lived. I don't know the name of the street, but I know exactly where it was. And I said, do you know the Sheraton on the beach in Tel Aviv? And she said, of course. And I said, well, they lived on the side street there. And so she, she knew exactly where that was. She looked it up in her system, found my grandparents, and in fact, they were citizens. So they had become citizens, and then she looked at their documentation in, their, in the Israeli computers and said, ah, David, you were named after your grandfather's father. And I said, yes, I know. And all of a sudden, things were very warm and pleasant. She was a very friendly person from that moment on. We had just wonderful conversation. And this bar mitzvah certificate was part of what made that possible. But it says to David Levine, David Ben Beryl Halevi, that's my Hebrew name, who having completed the required studies was duly called to the Torah as a bar mitzvah on uh, the Sabbath, fourth day of Elul, 5727, and Parshat Shoftim. Now, just a note about this, that's this week's Torah portion. And Stephen Rose texted me a, about a month ago and said, wasn't Parshat Shoftim your bar mitzvah portion? And I said, as a matter of fact, it was. And he said, it's coming up. Would you like to read? And I thought, you know what? I will. <coughs> It'll be a great opportunity. And I said, I'll read all the portions. And so I was really happy to be called to Torah, and I'm thankful to, to Stephen, even though he is uh, in the process of recovering from COVID and can't be with us right now. He's participating on live stream. I heard from him this morning, and he encouraged me to do it, and I'm glad I did it. And um, I'll, we'll keep this up because I want to tell you more about this as, as we're going. But I want to tell you some background and why this was a good moment compared to my bar mitzvah moment. Because when I was 13 and I was preparing for my bar mitzvah, my voice was breaking. And not only that, I did not like to sing. I was happy to read, and I love to write, and I've developed those skills, but I have not developed the singing skill. And in fact, when I was preparing for my bar mitzvah, the, the man who was preparing me, not the rabbi, but part of the cantering ministry, he said to me, 
you are the worst student I've ever had. <laughs> and it was not only because I had a monotone, it was because the monotone bounced all around and could never find the right note or chanting. And our tradition at our synagogue when I was growing up is the bar mitzvah would chant the blessings, the opening haftorah blessing and closing haftorah blessing, and chant the entire haftorah in Hebrew. And so chanting anything was like painful, not, not mainly for me, but for everyone who listened. So um, you were spared. This was one of uh, Cantor Aaron's references when he said, you're not chanting, are you? And I said, mm-mm. <laughs> so out of respect for you and out of acknowledgement of gifts versus non-gifts, I read. So there's, there's one more thing about this. It says... May his portion be among those who live and labor in the Torah of our God, which is very interesting. Of course, that's pre-printed. All the bar mitzvah certificates had that. But what's interesting to me is, indeed, I've been called to live and labor in Torah of the Lord. And so it actually is a great joy for me to to take this time today and to celebrate 56 years ago, according to the uh, Hebrew calendar, I had bar mitzvah. And so I was growing up then in Roanoke, Virginia, and our family was part of, like I said, the conservative synagogue. And I think I was the first bar mitzvah at Beth Israel for our new rabbi, who was Rabbi... Uh, David Werb, he signed it, Rabbi H. David Werb, the H is for Hillel. And he had just completed his student rabbi term at Jewish Theological Seminary, and then he was ordained in 1967. And he came to our synagogue and served there, I think, for four years. And he was 26 years old when I had bar mitzvah. So I was turning 13, he was 26. So it was like children raising children. And interestingly, I found this out about Rabbi Werb. He went on to um, other congregations and I think settled in Massachusetts. And part of his focus was to build mutual understanding and respect between Jews and Christians. Isn't that interesting? I think so. So the Haftorah portion for Parshat Shoftim is a selection from the prophet Isaiah. And the part that I chose to read today was a declaration of the call to share good news with our people. I'm amazed that the Lord gave me this portion for my bar mitzvah because in so many ways it was like a prophecy to me that I was called to proclaim the good news. 
It's actually a, a prophecy from Isaiah to all of Israel to proclaim the good news. And to know the Lord with intimacy. And in verse 6 of this reading, it says, Therefore my people will know my name. Therefore on that day they will know that I'm the one who is speaking, who says, He nani, here I am. So it's a description of something that, that the people of Israel will have their spiritual ears opened up. And they will know the name of God and they will be able to hear God who speaks and says, here I am. Now he says, here I am to those who call upon him. Then verse 7, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Proclaiming shalom, bringing good news of good things, announcing salvation and saying to Zion, your God is king. Listen, your watchmen are raising their voices, shouting for joy together, for they will see before their own eyes Adonai returning to Zion. Ayan ba'ayan. Before their own eyes, they will see the Lord returning to Zion. They will know my name. This is a call for the Jewish people to recognize the good news and to proclaim the shalom of God. To proclaim the shalom of God to the whole world. My people will know my name. They will know that I'm the one who speaks. So we're called to proclaim the good news. To proclaim shalom, to bring good news of good things. Isn't that a, a lovely idea? To bring good news of good things and to announce salvation. Another way of saying it is to proclaim Yeshua. And it uses the noun form of salvation, not the proper name, but the noun form. It's just a slight difference in spelling. And to say to Zion, to the Jewish people, your God is king. And so this is, a, this is a hint, it's an indication. Because you know who the Jewish people call king? There are two, there are two common ways that the Jewish people address a king in these days. One is the Lord directly, and the other is Mashiach, Messiah. Melech Mashiach. So what's interesting, and this is one of the insights of the Messianic movement, is there's only one king. He, he's the same one. So the Lord and Messiah are actually one. This is one of our insights and one of our understandings. The Lord is king. The king is Messiah. Messiah is king. And we are to declare your God reigns. This is interesting. Not only my God reigns. It's one thing for me to say I have the opinion that my God reigns. It's another thing for me to say to all our Jewish people, your God reigns. And then I love these two words that are used, listen and see. So listen speaks of spiritual ears. 
Seeing speaks of spiritual eyes. And so what it indicates to me is that with this proclamation and with those who take on this beautiful responsibility and call to share the good news, we can speak to our people in such a way that they will be able to see what would otherwise be invisible and they would be able to hear what otherwise would be unnoticed. Now, this is from my Haftorah portion, not the messianic version of the Haftorah portion, the Haftorah portion. Do you get that? So this is what's wild to me as a messianic rabbi now, 56 years later, I'm thinking, that was in my Haftorah portion. I don't think that's what I was speaking about at my bar mitzvah. I think I was speaking about justice. But what was in the portion, what was from the Lord, what was in the word that was going into me, whether I knew it or not, it was the call of the good news. To receive the good news and to proclaim the good news. Now, I want to connect that with the uh, reading from Acts chapter 3 from the Britachadashah. Because the apostle Peter made a connection between the Torah portion, the one coming that Moses talked about, the Haftorah idea of proclaiming good news, and Messiah. And so in Acts chapter 3, verse 19, if you want to hear the Hebrew, you can, you can roll back the video. Therefore, repent and turn to God so that your sins may be erased. So that times of refreshing may come from the Lord's presence. Where will times of refreshing come from? The Lord's presence. And he may send the Messiah. Now, it's important to understand, he had already sent the Messiah. Yeshua had already come. He had lived among the people. He had died and had become the kinsman redeemer. Already, he was buried, he rose from the dead, he stayed in Israel for some time, and then he returned to heaven in order to send the Holy Spirit. And it's after that, it's on Shavuot when the Holy Spirit's being poured out, that Peter is saying these words, and he's saying, times of refreshing may come from the Lord's presence, and he will send the Messiah so we have to understand it. He will send the Messiah yet again, who has been appointed in advance for you. That is Yeshua. Verse 21, he has to remain in heaven now until the time comes for restoring everything. When will Yeshua return? When it's time to restore everything. As God said long ago when he spoke through the holy prophets, Verse 22, for Moses himself said, Adonai will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers. You are to listen to everything he tells you. So Peter points back to Moses saying, there's one coming, listen to him. Do you remember when Yeshua was immersed in water and the, the Holy Spirit came like a dove and rested upon him? 
and a voice from heaven said, this is my son. You know what was another thing that voice said? Listen to him. Do you know why? Because it was a reference to what Moses had said. So look at what we're doing. We're putting into practice what Isaiah had said about announcing the good news. That's what Peter put into practice. And I want to close with just three scriptures that tie all this together. 1 John chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God or who are faithful to the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. And I was thinking of Miguel Romero, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And this is why the scripture teaches us that everyone who would call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And everyone who seeks the Lord with all of his heart will find him. Because we, what does God desire? He desires that none would perish and all would be saved. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. So you and I can have real confidence and security with the Lord. And by fellowshipping with him and abiding in him and allowing his word to take its place in us, we can come to him with confidence and we can pray according to his will. And we know that he hears us. And then Psalm 20, verse 45. It's a beautiful psalm of confelicity of finding joy in other people's blessings. May he give you the desires of your heart and make all your plans succeed. If you're sitting next to someone who you care about, smile at them and join me in saying to them, may he give you the desires of your heart and make all your plans succeed. May we shout for joy at your victory and raise a banner in the name of our God. May the Lord grant all your petitions. Those petitions that arise from your close, intimate relationship with God, where you learn the will of God and you pray with confidence in the name of Yeshua, and you receive. And then the final verse, Isaiah 25, verse 9. And in that day, by Yom HaHu, it will be said... Surely this is our God. We have waited for him, and he has saved us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. So Mishpacha, as we're preparing for the high holidays, let's embrace the hope and the good news of Yeshua and rejoice in the Lord, our Redeemer. And let's pray May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. We're going to close now with Aaron's blessing. Would you please stand? 
And those of you who are participating online, would you consider standing also with us financially? And if this ministry is a blessing to you, would you consider blessing our ministry? You can find out all the information on our webpage, bethisraelnow.com giving. We're going to close with Aaron's blessing. Thank you, Cantor, for, Cantor Aaron, for standing with me. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha, ye'er Adonai panavelecha v'yichunecha, yisa Adonai panavelecha v'yasemlecha shalom. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep watch over you, guard and protect you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua the Prince of Peace. Amen.